I can't blame him. Turn this Man. car around. Yeah! Don't encourage her! <laughs> you could hear that hit you. <laughs> you just hear a little puck. And I didn't even throw it that hard. <laughs> She's used to throwing things at me. Who knew that Nerf would have a sound effect when it smacks you? Smack me on the bone what of my the, shoulder. What is the automatopoeia of the Nerf smacking you in the face? How do you spell that? P H H H T H. Yeah, there's a K in there somewhere. There's a he's right here. It's a K right here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's not a cool K. This is complicated T-shirt. Mm. No, I don't like complicated T-shirts. They're but, silly. Like, okay. Like, describe a bad T-shirt. Okay, a bad T-shirt is one that has, first off, like 20 different fonts, but then you got this whole thing to read, and at the end of the, the end of the day, you're just staring at someone's shirt for like five <laughs> minutes. Like, what does it say? Uh... And the worst is when you end up wearing one of those shirts, and then someone asks you, oh, what's your shirt say? And then you just got to stand there and let them read it. And you, and you comprehend how slow people read. Sometimes when you watch their eyes and they're like a second grader, sound out the words, you know, and it's annoying. Well, I, I just don't understand how that pertains to anything I've suggested. Yeah, exactly. And, and all, all, all this is telling me is that he doesn't like people, which is not news. <laughs> yeah, not really. a secret. So No, what I'm saying is complicated t-shirt designs, even if it's not just words, even if it's a complicated design, I don't like it. Like I'm... Simple to the point. He also doesn't like designs on the back. Only the front of the shirt. What? I don't like designs on the back of the shirt. Oh, so he must really hate those concert shirts that list all the locations. Right. Right. He doesn't want to choose. He wants to wear a jacket. He doesn't want to choose which side he needs to wear forward. Yep. I know what it is. Some chick was wearing my eyes are up here shirts, and he got busted, and he's just been bitter about it forever since. No, it's <laughs> not it. I think it was it on the head. That's uh, that's that's the nail right there, man. I'm just trying to be a responsible designer. Is this is this police shirt too complicated? No, isn't that a uh, an album cover? It is. For those who can't see, because it's an audio show, yeah. he's wearing a uh, shirt from the police. Yeah. Synchronicity album. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. Just accept that I know more about design. Oh my god! Just accept it. I uh, I can't if you keep being wrong. Uh. It's, it's almost personal preference. It really is. It really yeah. seems, seems like it's, it's a very much an opinion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A a puffed up, self important opinion, but an opinion <laughs> nonetheless. A time tested opinion, steeped in knowledge of UX. Kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> Your mother approved it. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 679. I am Master Torgo. Commander K. Master of Design, Vlarg. And Deb. Where to talk week and geek. God damn, you blew up my ears with that one. Yeah. Woohoo. Oh, you yeah. make me smoke. And you See, blow his ears. I, I still don't. This is now officially 
I have it. I have it. I know. Yeah. I can quit anytime. <laughs> you keep saying that, but I no longer believe you. <clears throat> I quit anytime. He only does it here. So, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Boy, those are going to last him forever then, they aren't are. they? I know. I don't like it. I like candy cigarettes. Yeah, they're just... better than like candy corn. That's awful. Or peeps. Ugh. No, you know what's better is the sticks from Fun Dip. Those are better. Those are good. Those are good. Mm-hmm. But similar. Mm, the sticks from Fun Dip, I think, are better. More flavor. No. A little more flavor. But flavor-wise, similar. Yeah, I we... like pixie sticks. There was a kid on my bus who <laughs> okay. used to snort pixie sticks. We'd give him a dollar. He'd oh, snort God. the whole thing. Yeah, wow. What, what was that all about? One of my cousins, <clears throat> a friend of hers, used to crush up Smarties and snort those. <laughs> Why? Ooh, I on a dare. Try that. On a dare. Kids will do anything, man. It's not even a dare. It was just a look at me. Well, look at what I can do kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that was the two generations before the Tide Pod kids. It's true. That's true. I guess, yeah. I guess it is that same Teenagers, mentality. Teenagers, especially young ones, do dumbass shit. I know. We were in middle school, and there was always a kid doing that. And you always wonder what happened to that kid middle after school middle school. Middle school is early teenagers. Is it? Yes. And oh, I th- fuck whatever. And I think we kind of can figure out what happened to <laughs> that kid. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, but living be, outside now. It'd be really fun to, to actually know. No, it would get the real details. No, not really. I, I don't really want to know. I want to know. No. Anybody, if you can find that person that uh, Todd knew who snorted the stuff. Was it me as my cousin? He's living under a bridge. I mean, you yeah. could watch Steve-O snort wasabi on freaking Jackass or, or whatever his Steve-O things. And there you go. That's what happens to the kid. There you go. What, they Ends become, up on Jackass or a variant. Jackass famous and got money and stuff? Well, want to be Jackass famous. Yeah. More, more like TikTok laugh-at famous. I used to know a guy that would like drink whole bottles of malt vinegar and and uh, um, hot sauce whenever wow. we go to Denny's. Why? I don't know. He's an idiot. He does business in China now. So, before we get into what geeky things we did, just a little bit of business up front. Uh, Kofi members, if you're not aware, we do have the introduction to the King's Dilemma episode up on the Kofi Drive. So, if you want the backstory to the kingdom of the game that we are about to start playing, uh, I recommend checking it out. It's a light coverage of rules. We cover rules a little bit more when we do the first episode. But this gives the background of the kingdom and about a bit of our houses. This is the flavor text of the game, so uh, I recommend checking it out. Now, I have finished the Dewback, the Stormtrooper on the Dewback. It is ready to be given away, so let's do that now. Okay, in the absence of 80s Jeff, I need some theme music, Deb. No. I did it <laughs> last time in lane. Wow! <laughs> no! <laughs> As first that was great. <laughs> Oh, All in the timing. You see, <laughs> improv isn't always about yes. Sometimes it's about <laughs> there. You oh, go. No. <laughs> All right, Kirsten, I need some theme music, please. Oh, we got a winner. It is Alexander West. Congratulations, Alexander. Uh, just be sure that your address is updated. We've covered this in earlier shows, so <laughs> please, uh, all Kofi members, make sure your address is updated. Especially so, this figure. It's really nice. Yeah, it's, don't, it's really nice. Do, yeah, do not let us send this one to the wrong address, because we're not going to make you another one. 
you might end up with something worse than Cop Rock if we have to send something twice. Actually, that might be the default bad thing. <laughs> the bad thing yeah. is Cop Rock? Like, if you, you fail in some way, you get sent Cop Rock. <laughs> no. <laughs> I better find a better deal on those then. <laughs> God damn. Wow. How much Cop Rock costs Actually, for a season? Eh, it's 20 bucks. I, well, well, this is Star Wars themed, so if they, you know, if Alexander screws this one up, the Star Wars Christian special. Uh, yeah. Ewoks Caravan of Courage. There you go. I yeah. like Hardware the Ewok Wars. Uh, I knew you were going to say you like the Ewok films. <laughs> <laughs> what, was was the, what was the other one? Uh, um, the one that's Cinda. Caravan of Courage and the... It was like a two-part thing. I don't remember, but I, I liked it. The big giant spiders and, you know, the, the their ship had crashed. And her Wilford Brimley. Died. Yeah. That, I, you know what? The second one bothered me. Really? Yeah. Ewo- I loved the first one. Sindel and her brother off on the adventure to rescue the parents and whatnot. Uh, however, the second one uh, did the Alien 3 sin where they killed off the entire cast in the first 10 minutes of the show. Oh, yeah. And then so you were just left with Ripley and, and none of the other characters from Aliens. So it was. I, that was. That was. I remember people talking about that. It was like Ewoks. This is a children's show. The Battle of Endor. Battle of Endor. That was Battle the first one. Right? No, Caravan of Courage, I believe, was first. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. Who cares? It's garbage. <laughs> Throw that phone away. Boy. So, so be good, or you might be sent one of these awful things. So update your address is what we're saying. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And congratulations, Alexander West. Congratulations. You really got a good figure. Yeah. Yes. This is uh, one of the best ones we've given away. Yeah. I've chosen the next one, but now we'll show pictures of that here very, very soon. It's a bust of Torgo. It's terrible. You don't want it in your house. It Torgo's is. bust. I made it out of silly putty. You're going to love it. <laughs> and it's more handsome than him. And oh. it, he did the silly putty trick where he smooshed it across his face and it left his face on the silly putty. No, my nipples. You told me it was a bust. Oh, the yeah. nipples. Yeah. Torgo nips. <laughs> that's, that's that's the worst cracker. Why are yeah. there three? <laughs> <laughs> Torgo nips. <gasps> nips. Why are they the square? The Geek Shop cracker. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, goodness. Let's get into this. What geeky <laughs> things did you do this week? Let's start with you, Deb. Hold on. I'm writing down the... <laughs> By all means, let's start, with, nips. let's start with you, Barry. <laughs> I, you know, surprisingly did not do much this week. I, no. I finished a little, little bit of Skyrim. I was just, you know, just garden variety busy. But uh, I, we did manage to finish uh, The Last of Us, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, I think it ended well. There's definitely going to probably be another season. I have zero complaints about that. I don't want to spoil anything, uh, but I'll give you this detail. Um, I like how every episode in this season is almost like a self-contained story. Things carry over from one to another, but I like how they wrap a lot of things up and they don't leave room, like, room for obvious ongoing villains, which is aggravating to me in a lot of TV shows. This one, things happen, they deal with it, they move the hell on. I like it. So it was a lot of fun. Um... The other thing I did just happened today, and I'm very, very fangirly about it. No. They released a new uh, three-minute uh, trailer for... Uh, trailer, three, it's like a three like a minutes preview, of the film. Three minutes of the film. Oh. For uh, Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> mm. We were watching it just as you came in, and uh, there's, a, there's another adventuring party in it, and I'm very happy about it, and I'm glad I saw it here and instead of in the theater, because I would have stood up in the theater and went, Yes! 
Uh, it's uh, the classic cartoon characters from I the love 80s that. are I love in that it. so much. And it's not just blink and you miss it. They're in there. I don't know if they talk or what. I don't know. It's just that we only got to see three minutes, but I'm very happy about it. And I love the idea that they're still stuck there after all this time. It was never understood whether or not they were in dungeons. Like they were in uh, Forgotten Realms or Mistara or whatever. Their own, their own little plane of existence. But I like that they brought them over into Forgotten Realms. Well, it could very well be they just found their way to the City of Doors. I think it is precious that you guys are trying to find some continuity in this. This is <laughs> hey, just, I brought that module. I want to take a picture right now, Deb. They're so cute. They're uh, <laughs> that module I'm writing. I, they're they're mentioned in there. Well, I okay. I love those characters as, as like fun I know background you love, characters. I just I love the you guys looking for continuity. Like, why would they be there? How did they get there from? The, we can yeah. make it work. Well, it's some guy who was fucking typing on a typewriter, typed that they're there, and boom, they're there. No, there's two ways they could be there: <laughs> sigil or through a spelljammer ship, which means. God. Earth is connectable to yeah. uh, realms, and that's the end of it. Or maybe Yoda Master uh, uh, sent them there. The, the, the Dungeon found, Master thing? If they found their way to the Sigil, it can work. What never made sense about sigil. that cartoon... That's what I sigil? said. Is it Sigil or Sigil? It, it's, it's supposed to be Sigil. Fige. Uh, yeah, so, who the hell wants um, to say Sigil? It would never, what about, I never understood about the Dungeon Master was... Uh, why he looked like Yoda? In the episode that didn't air, the last one, yep, the one that they, before they were he and Venger made up. Yeah, Venger is supposed to be his kid. Yeah, which makes Venger's sister also his kid. How does the dungeon master have kids in this realm? Who's the mom? Who's the mom? Is it Tiamat? All right. This All is, right. This yeah. is what I need you to imagine. Ooh. I need you to imagine Dungeon Master getting busy with Tiamat. So maybe Dungeon Master is Bahamut. Can't dragons change shape? Or is it yeah. Always, yeah, they can. <laughs> yeah. Because we had one follow us around for a long time as a bunny rabbit. Became a dragon. Bunny rabbit. Well, that's... Oh, a, that one, yeah. That's a... I, I like that. The, the bunny rabbit is so innocuous. Yeah. Bahamut was, char- follows characters around as an old man with the, with the golden finches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> D&D lore I'm still thinking about Dungeon Master just banging Tiamat the hell out of Tiamat <laughs> grabbing one of her he- heads <laughs> take it all okay you've taken it too far <laughs> you're ruining my childhood I'm ruining your childhood yes yes Dear Lord. When in reality, those kids are all in like long-term comas because that ride was put together by drunken carnies but you know <laughs> that's not what we choose to believe and that's it? That's all you did? Yeah, sometimes it's a slow week, man. All right. Deb, Deb what'd you do? <laughs> well, because I traveled, I got to read and or listen to a lot of books. And I'm almost done with the second book in the uh, series that Lee Bardugo started after she finished uh, the Grishaverse novels. Um, so book one I've talked about before, it's called The Ninth Gate. It's the one that takes place at Yale and about the secret societies. So the second book came out in January. It's called Hellbent. So good. I am almost done. I was trying to finish before tonight, but I'm almost there, but it is so good. They, it's a, The way she is writing these novels is just... So good? Well, <laughs> it's hard to explain, except that it's super personable. Like, you can relate to it, okay. even though it's a fantasy, like about magic, you can relate to it a lot more than 
most fantasy novels because most fantasy novels take place in um, super fantasy type settings, right? But this one takes place in our world during our time at a college university that everybody's aware of and knows about and secret societies that a lot of people have already heard of are involved and magic is just kind of thrown in there. And the main character, her life, like probably not super relatable to most people because it's pretty tragic and way, you know, um, dark, but she seems like more of a real person than a lot of like lead, especially female characters in a fantasy series. I hang around with Torgo. My life's pretty dark. <laughs> I think I can relate. I like to think I bring you sunshine and unicorns, and that's why it's dark. But yeah, I'm really, I am really excited to see how book two ends, and I really hope that I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a third book. We'll see because there's not much left of this one. But yeah, and then I did finish. Finally, the last book in the Air Awakens series. This is the one I talked about before that you guys said sounded like Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's anything like Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, shit. Um, However, I've never seen Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, okay. Then is that fair? Um, Well, does the character get involved with a prince and end up, you know, having a relationship with a prince and doing, you know, those types of activities and things in Avatar Last Airbender? Are you talking sexy activities? Yes. I don't remember that. I don't, that, that, that I, I don't think I don't. so. I don't think so. Yeah. So no. just the base magic now, now is fanfic, similar then. In fanfic, however. In slash fic. <laughs> I think there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, it was. So this was the first series that Elise Kova wrote. Um, I've talked about her before because she has written another series that I am enjoying called the uh, Married to Magic series. I think the only reason I enjoyed it was because I listened to the audiobooks, the entire series. And I say that because there are times when, you know, a lot of times most people listen to audiobooks while they're doing other things or they're driving or so like you're listening to it, but you're not completely focused. Sure. And there were some times where I was really focused and you could just hear that like her way of writing was more simplistic than most of the authors that I really like to read. So I think if I had read the books instead of listened to the books, I probably wouldn't have gotten through the whole series. Really? Yeah. But I do like the, it's the, they have one of those packages where you can, through Audible, you can buy the whole series, audiobook, and it's one credit for the whole series. Oh, shit. Mm. That's nice. And so when you're listening to that, because that's what all they listen to, it just keeps going. Like, it goes into the next book, and it's just like starting a new chapter. It's like, now starting book two of the year. And so, and it's the same narrator the whole time. And it sounds very consistent because you know how sometimes there's like so many years between books and even though it's the same person, it takes them a few chapters before the voice starts to sound like the character again. So it was very consistent and I think that helped a lot. So I would suggest it to anyone who maybe wants a, it's five books, so it's a decent amount of audiobooks. So if you need audiobooks to kind of fill a gap while you're waiting for other things, maybe give it a shot. And what's the series called one more time? Air Awakens. Air Awakens. Adult yes. or <coughs> or young adult? Um, I would say it's young adult, actually, because it doesn't, even though there's some, you know, romance and stuff, they don't really go into detail, like some of the other books I've read that go into lots of detail. Yeah, some some young adult get kind of Very graphic with detailed. the sex scenes, yeah. Uh, this one does not. So it just mentions, you know, that these things happen. And then kind of like one of those PG-13 where you see them kissing and falling into bed and then they cut to the next scene. It's like that, Ugh. you know, worst porn ever. 
And then I did. So I was in Houston for work. Okay. And when I, the last few times I've gone, I stay with a friend. So I don't have to stay at a hotel. And so I brought with me Obscurio in my luggage. Oh, nice. Yes. So, so we got to play. I played it twice while I players? was there. Um, so the first time it was three of us. And so you don't have a trader because it's just three of you. And then the second time it was six of us. Ooh. So we had a trader. And can I just tell you, so we have played twice now with the trader aspect. And neither time has any, like, it is like severely losing. Like you barely make it to like halfway and everybody's trapped in the freaking house or library. It's like ridiculous. Still have yet to have a group that with the trader um, makes like good group choices. I think everybody gets too focused on the timer. And it's one of those games where there's a mechanic in there that you can keep flipping the timer. It just oh. adds more traps the next round, oh, like adds right. more things to it. But you can keep flipping the timer and everybody's so focused on, oh my God, the timer's almost out and it hasn't been flipped yet that they just like make choices. And so if you make wrong choices in this game, um, wrong door choices, you get, you take like tokens off the board. And once you get to a certain point of tokens off the board, then if there's a trader, you're supposed to accuse the trader. And um, if you get it wrong, more tokens come off the board. I mean, like, and sounds you stressful. You can't win this game if there's no tokens left. There has to be at least one token left to get out the last door. So, and every every wrong door choice is like. So if you have six people and everybody decides because they can't make a choice, maybe four doors get chosen, and one of them is right. Then whoever was on the three wrong doors, they all get tokens. And so you get however many people that is, those come off the board in one round. So it's rough. It is rough. Sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the friend, game, if the game adds stress, oh, I'm all for it. Well, and it's so both times I played the grimoire because I've played. So like the grimoire, I think, is the most complicated per piece of the game to play because you're the one who's uh, leading all of the the choice rounds you're picking all of the cards and you're trying to figure out how to give them clues and like so um for people who haven't played before i've just been playing the grimoire um and when you add that trader mechanic in there and they're allowed so on a normal turn the trader is allowed so you give them the clues first right so you have a door card the grimoire picks the door card sees it puts it down and that's an image it's an image they're all images and they're really cool like fantasy style images very colorful um, and so they see that and then they pick two other pictures that they put face up in the grimoire and then they point to clues in them to try to direct them to, to the actual door card. Then you give that to the group. So they all see it. And then the trader gets to pick cards that are in this portfolio that might throw them off because now they've seen the clues. So they get to pick other cards to put in for the choices for the door. And it is hard. And there's a trap in there that lets them pick four cards. There's only six door cards, six. So if you have one and they get to pick four more, that means there's only one more that they have not seen <laughs> that comes out of the deck. It's rough. It is rough. <laughs> I love I love the review. Obscurio. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's super fun. I really like this game. Thank you very much. I am really enjoying this game. <laughs> but I would like us to be able to play one with a trader where they at least make it like more closer to the end. Because there's like six doors you have to get through and you still have to get through that sixth door. You have to leave. And I think the best we've done so far with the trader is door three. Is it a better trader game than Battlestar Galactica? I think so. Because 
it is nobody nobody has been like after one round flat out oh i know who the traitor is because it's never been like that in bsg either well some rounds it is because the bsg and it's been a long time since i played that game but if i remember correctly they're supposed to sabotage like your resources and uh for listeners battlestar galactica is what this game is. yes the newer version battlestar galactica from sci-fi yeah um <clears throat> but yeah, I um, I think because of the aspect it's all visual and it's images, I mean, it really is open to that person's visual interpretation of the clues that you have provided. Excuse me. And so sometimes you're pointing to things like colors or sometimes you're pointing to actual objects. Um, there are some trap cards that you pull that actually affect the color of the the grimoire pages that you give them. So sometimes there's a... A filter on it they can't see the colors they can just see the images of Ooh, it that's nasty and then there's another one that has like all of these additional swirl things in it so it like you put it, it over and obscures what you're, what you're, what you're seeing at, yeah so it's when you have more traps and more things that like the trader is like it's rough <laughs> it's rough is but it's it fun a, it's so much fun is it a better trader game than shadows over camelot that one i don't know but it's totally different mechanic for a trader in that game um, but also the trader keeps to get, they continue to get to play, don't they? Yeah, the, the, the trader continues to get to play. Right. So in this game, the trader, once the, if, once they get to the, once guess who the exposed. trader is and they're exposed, they don't get to make choices anymore, but they still get to affect the door cards. So, but they don't get to like play play anymore because obviously they would always choose the wrong door and everybody would know they're choosing the wrong door and doesn't make any sense but i think in shadows over camelot the trader can still win yes by continuing to play and fucking everything up for everybody else oh yeah the ba- battlestar galactica too they yeah. go to their own ship and then they do all their own bad stuff right but in battlestar i think their their rounds are more limited to what they can do whereas shadows over camelot it's almost like they're still a normal character it's just they're trying to make everybody else lose yeah yeah that one's kind of rough actually well that's a good we haven't played that game in a long time either i really like that game yeah but, you know, the best trader we know usually is busy. <laughs> Why are you looking at, at me? Why are you looking at me? He's pretty good. He, Lewis is good a good trader, too, though. Yeah, Major Matt. He, he, he's good at hiding it. He just plays stupid, and we believe him. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you believe him? He never plays stupid. He always plays stupid. No, he doesn't. Sometimes. He's very calculating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is why it's really frustrating. Like when you're playing a game that like he goes before you, and whatever he decides affects the next person, and I always end up sitting next to him. Yep, you got to be careful where you sit. Uh, I'm once again reading a book that is absolutely blowing me away. Uh, and you're reading it, not listening. To reading it. to it, you're reading it, not listening to it. I didn't know you could read. Uh, you know what? New skill. I thought <laughs> I'd put it in action, well, and right. it turns out books are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is an author I've read before and have enjoyed his stuff before. His name's Grady Hendrix. He tends to write horror novels that have a slightly comedic bent to them. For example, he wrote Horror Store with the umlaut over the O that's about the haunted Ikea. He wrote My Best Friend's Exorcism. Uh, this one is called How to Sell a Haunted House. Now, I went into this book. Uh, I'm not done yet. I'm about uh, 65% through the book. Uh, I went through it that just not knowing a thing about it. I knew Grady Hendrix. I know his work. Great. It's obviously about a haunted house. Love haunted house stories. I'm all in. Sure. Let's just go. And it turns out he looked into my heart and found the book I've always wanted to read. I am so, so happy with it. It is 
take some of the best parts of Poltergeist and throw together some of the best parts of it, and you have How to Sell a Haunted House, at least so far. Uh, this is a book that's getting under my skin a little bit, which is highly impressive, because horror stuff doesn't get under my skin anymore. I'm jaded. I've watched too much horror shit in my life. I don't get scared from it anymore. Now it's like, ooh, that's fun, that's creepy. I get excited when something's eerie. This one's kind of super creepy. If haunted puppets are your thing, this is your goddamned book. Oh, God. That's, haunted puppets. That's, no. all that's your I got, thing. All I got to say. That haunted is your puppets, thing. <laughs> dolls. Oh, come on board. And Grady Hendrix does a wonderful job, uh, as he's gotten even better with every book of his that I've read, at establishing characters before fucking with them. And boy, is it done so well. And so much so that for the first a third of the book didn't seem like a horror novel. It just seemed like a uh, a family dealing with grief novel, and would and a really good one. I was reading a literature book. It was very good, uh, and then things start going, and wow, just. He just starts so beautifully, subtly, and you can tell when it starts. It's like, okay, that's a creepy thing, although it doesn't seem like it's a creepy thing. It's obviously a creepy thing. And then it just just goes away for a while. And then when the source of the haunting starts to become revealed, it just becomes a mortal terror, and it's fantastic. And still has that Grady Hendrix undercurrent of... Just a hint of comedy here and there that actually just makes me smile and giggle every now and then. So, again, uh, I can't imagine this book ending poorly because uh, so far any of his books have not. Uh, but so far, this journey's been amazing, and I already recommend the book because of it. I mean, probably have it finished by next episode, certainly by the one after that, and I, I can give you the final thoughts on it. But uh, I say... Uh, if it's available at your local library to see it, just go ahead and start reading it. It's good. It's going to bring you right in very fast. So Grady Hendrix, How to Sell a Haunted House, uh, can get behind it. Uh, now, I started playing a game. A game's weird uh, thing to call this, because it isn't. It's an interactive museum of sorts. That is the Atari, Atari's 50th anniversary release. I think it's out on all systems, PC, uh playstations both of them xboxes both of them it is you remember in the 90s late 90s mid 90s when cd-roms were all the rage oh yeah oh, and yeah. you they would release cd-roms of museums and, and you'd mm. go through a virtual museum walkthrough and you could read all about all the exhibits in the actual museum with a virtual walkthrough or some kind of interactive encyclopedia Atari decided for their new 50th anniversary release to give the history of Atari in chronological order with interview and archive footage with a lot of uh, uh, advertisements, uh, TV and print. Ooh, and you, I like those. And you basically go at one step at a time uh, through their uh, arcade release history, through their console release history, up into modern times. They did a really good job about it. I've... I've read a lot of books on the history of video games, and Atari in particular. It's very close to my heart. It's the first system I had. The Atari VCS was what introduced me to video games in the first place. So I got a lot of history with this system. And 
the museum aspect of this is really good. And then you come to a game, and then you can play the game. All right, so is it comprehensive? No, they've left quite a few things out, and some things can be uncovered by doing well at certain games, can actually unlock other Atari games. Uh, however, it has the same problem that all classic console-emulated games have, and that is, is these controllers are not those controllers. Yeah. And so anything that had to use a paddle, you're fucked. There's nothing you can oh, do about it. why would they try and emulate paddle well, games? Well, so, some of the classics are paddle stuff. Breakout, Warlords, yeah, 8500. Yeah. Well, Coleco. All right. the ColecoVision. I mean, that controller yeah, was paddle. a knob with numbers. Yeah, and yeah, especially that. And the biggest the paddle, though. And, and the and the biggest classic console that I always fight with. Uh, I'm going to stop the 50 here and just go into this. <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for Intellivision. One of my friends had one growing up. I'd go to his house play Intellivision. I still. It was the first Dungeons and Dragons game ever released official on any. As I system. remember, isn't that the only system that had Donkey Kong? Uh, no, no, or am I wrong? No, Who, Coleco, which... Coleco released Donkey yeah, Kong they first. Yeah, uh, that. Why do I think that? I, I don't know. What it was still so long ago. But but uh, not saying it all in television games are great. But they had the Tron games. They had the Dungeons and Dragons games. That's what really got caught me as a kid. However. That controller was a crappy little disc that was at the bottom and then a number keypad at the top with really hard to press buttons on the side for your index finger and thumb. It was a horribly designed controller, but all the games were designed around that controller. Now, whenever you go to any of these places, whether it's a local game shop or a convention, and they have that dealer or that person that does that mod box, Right. Yeah. Here's here's the the modded Xbox, or here's our own little special box that has all the arcade games, all the classic systems, all of it. Play all the Ataris, all the Colecos, all the Nintendos, Super Nintendos, Genesis, all of it. Uh, and, but they always include in television. I'm and I I've all the same say, show me, prove it, show me that your Intellivision game Can actually, works. Yeah. yeah. And they do. So here's an Intellivision game. Which one do you want to see? Show me discs of Tron. And they bring up Disc of Tron, and like, it's unplayable. All in except for a very few of them, Astro Blasters, things that are really rudimentary arcade stuff, just cannot work on an emulated system. So fuck you for even putting it in there, people. Just stop. Did they have Star Raiders? That required a special controller from uh, from the twenty six hundred. Uh, they have Star Raiders, the seventy eight hundred version, which is considered the Best point, because it also goes into their computer uh, See, I, history. I, I never had an Atari past 2600, so I don't know any any sure. part of that. They included that one because it was considered the best, but they, yes, they do have the 2600 version as well. I tried playing that on an on a emulation, and you couldn't do it because there's so many other buttons. They actually did a decent job with this one, I have okay. to admit. Um, one weird thing, though, is they had this company create some modern versions of the big classics like a a modern version of the atari vcs haunted house uh cartridge if you played oh, that yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, and of course like missile command and uh asteroids and they're, they're not co combat they're not good they're just really not good the i see what they were going for but it was wasted space and 
a lot of it's it's uh, it's weird the games they chose and which ones they chose which ones they chose to admit uh and some of it i'm sure was rights issues uh there's probably couldn't do pac-man or et on that system for that very reason <laughs> but they're very important to the Why? history Why and they cover it they talk about those games in interviews <clears throat> in the quote-unquote museum uh but those are games that you can't play do they have adventure did uh, have, yes. Did they have the Easter egg? Oh, yes. It's it's a complete recreation of adventure and beautiful. Still one of the most replayable 2600 games ever. And interestingly enough, they have the entire Sword Quest series. <gasps> That's the next question. It's coming out of my mouth. Wait, wait. The whole series? All of it. How is that possible? Right. Okay. If you don't know Sword Quest, Sword Quest was... Rabbit what, hole! All right. Atari... <laughs> Uh, after, ad- adventure was huge. It was the first uh, fantasy adventure, cl- the closest thing to a role-playing game you could get on that system, yeah. uh, an action role-playing game, if you will. Uh, but uh, they decided to make the next adventure, and so they created this game called Sword Quest, which would have an actual prize at the end of each one of it. How this would work is you go through various rooms. The first one was based on the Zodiac. So there'd be a Scorpio room and there'd be a Taurus room and you had pick up items and drop certain items and you had little kind of awful twitchy games to get through the rooms. Uh, but if you drop the right thing in the right room, a number would pop up on the screen. The game came with a comic book. All right. So you would match that number with page and panel to the comic book, and somewhere in that panel would be a word that was hidden. Now, the comic books were pretty good. They were put out by DC Comics. Uh, is, it, uh, is it Jerry Con- Conway? Conroy? The guy that invented The Punisher? Uh, he, he was one of the writers. Uh, it, great, it, I mean, obvious DC Jerry stuff. Conway? The comic was written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims and had art by Scott... No. Kowalchuk? No. That is, uh, whatever you're reading, that is not it. Like the Wikipedia? Yeah, uh, that is absolutely false. Maybe it, maybe that was the different comic. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is, but the comics that came with it, uh, the artist was the same artist. I'm sorry. That was a new comic book series. I'm looking at the original <laughs> mini comics where DC, yeah, it doesn't list it. The the originals don't list the uh, the, the actual ones, so you're probably right. Uh, the person, the who, I you probably know this, Kay. Who did the... Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the art for that. The art? Yeah. Oh, Perez. I'm pretty sure Perez did that. There it is. Yep, it's Perez. I I found it later. It was written by Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas and illustrated by George. Oh, there you go. So big people in the comic book industry. Yeah. And the comics were good. The comics are all in this game, so you can reread them through the thing, and they're a good comic. Uh, But in that panel, there'd be a hidden word. But... There'd be hidden words all throughout that comic, and mon- many of them red herrings, so you'd have to go to the game to find out which wor- words they were, put them in the right order, and the final word was given to you if you fu- solved the final puzzle. You sent that to Atari, and then you would all those winners of that, they would send them to L.A., they would do a special game that they made just for it, and whoever won that won the prize. And it was like a $25,000 wow. jewel, the first one. It was like a white gold sword with a gold medallion with actual diamonds around it. Big stuff. The talisman of penultimate truth was for Earthworld. That was the one for the Zodiac, and it was an 18-karat gold solid disc studded with 12 diamonds, the birthstones of the 12 Zodiac signs, and a miniature white gold sword set atop it. Oh, my God. There's some crazy stuff here. Yeah, the guy that won that uh, was this uh, 
uh, unemployed guy from Michigan. Uh, basically, who, when he was asked what he's going to do with it, he's like, I'll probably sell it. I'd like to have a car. Uh, <laughs> now, the second game, Fireworld, the guy that won that still owns that prize to this day. That's the well, chalice that that's won. A, that's a fan. It's a gold and platinum chalice. He plans on bequeathing it to his heir, to his heirs. You know, it's going to be a family heirloom. A oh, goblet cool. made of platinum and gold studded with diamonds, rubies, sapphires, pearls, and green jade. Now, here's the problem. Good. God. Oh, wait, there's a problem. The third game, Waterworld, Waterworld, was only released through Atari Age. Atari Age was their magazine subscription, so it didn't go out to the regular public. And when they finally did the ending of it, they did... They First of all, they offered everybody who won, who got the right solution and sent it in, uh, everybody who won that... Uh, they tr- uh, first attempted to pay them off, saying that uh, uh, everyone gets two thousand dollars. The two last winners, because they'd be, you know, in they've already won before, so each would get fifteen thousand dollars if they just stayed home. Wow! Uh, apparently, there was a secret contest, and they won uh, something called the Philosopher's Stone, I believe, for that one. It was a piece of white jade with a gold jewel crusted box over it. And in uh, the final one, it was a crown. I could have those switched around. And then, of all those uh, four winners, one of them would get the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery, which was just a beautiful piece of jeweled work. A silver with a silver blade and an 18 karat gold handle covered with diamonds, emeralds, sapphires, and rubies valued at US $50,000. Holy crap. Not at today? that time. In the 80s. Yeah, this is in the 80s. Yeah. They had some money. Now, the big problem here now is that oh, the video game crash is happening. Yeah. And it's the sell-through on Waterworld is crap. The company has changed hands. The guy that used to, it's now in Warner's hands. Warner Communications, fuck everything up. We know this. They the, they bought Atari, and now they've their CEO is gone, and now a new guy that was the head of Commodore 64 who now wants to beat down Commodore 64 and put all of his focus in computers because he hates Commodore 64 but ignores everything else. Everything is a falling apart of the company, and they're like, we can't do this anymore. The prizes are all made by the Franklin Mint, owned by Warner's Communications, so that's why the prizes were from them. And so Airworld, the final game, never released. Did they ever make the prize for it? Yes, all the prizes were on display from the very first competition. The people who competed in those in that first game saw every single prize. So does who owns that last prize now? No one knows. The prizes disappeared. One person claims that he saw the sword over the CEO's home fireplace, but there's no corroborating evidence of that. Nobody knows what happened to, particularly those last two, two prizes and the sword. The, uh, the Philosopher's Stone, the crown, the sword disappeared. Wow. Nobody knows. And you know what the best part of this is? Those games, they kind of suck. They're terrible. <laughs> terrible <laughs> games. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yeah, but with that kind of prize at the end, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, suck it up. Uh, so... Airworld was never released. <laughs> However, they decided to go ahead and create a prototype version of it uh, about 15 years ago. And they have it for the first time really available here. 
I feel like I may have played it or something like it at one of those classic game conventions. It's possible. Very, very possible. Uh, Waterworld was rare. Air just never was. Uh, but it kind of is because the ideas that they had for it, someone programmed those ideas out, and it's there in playable form on this 50th anniversary. If nothing else, there's probably other places you can play it too out there. Uh, but that whole story is is really one of the best parts of one, uh, this 50th anniversary release, and the Tari history in general. In fact, if you just go, if you just want to learn more about it, do a quick search on YouTube. One guy out there did a fantastic job, cut based on the whole uh, unexplained mysteries uh, formats, TV show formats that he did for it. Wonderfully edited together, it'll give you the whole story. Uh, but is this game? Should I buy it? No. No, I don't think you should, but I think you should play it if you can rent it and play through the that interactive history is a very fun way to learn video game history. If that's your bag, which console are you playing it on? I'm playing on the Xbox Series X, but it's on everything, including PC. So if you have a console, you can play it. So if you find like on super cheap on sale, if you find it for 10 bucks, oh, God damn, yeah, it's definitely worth 10 bucks. Get it. But uh, a full price, I'm not so sure. But I'm very, very glad I did it. I had a great time going through it. Uh, the games, would I play them again? Uh, maybe on an actual Atari, but this is not the way to do them. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. Kay, what'd you do? Wow. <laughs> and people bitch about me going on and on. It was a good story. That sounds Who crazy. Thank a you, treasure Deb. hunt, dude. Thank you, Dan. I actually looked up, while you were talking, I looked up the Intellivision paddle. It's gross. That thing, it looks like a, a bastard child of an old school pocket calculator and the old, old iPod. Yes. Yeah, it's not good. Like, yeah. like an old Star Trek communicator. Yeah, it, it just, wow. See, this is why design is important. Yeah. There's, there's a right way to oh, do things God. and a wrong way Here to do we things. Go. Here you we didn't go. think I'd forget about that, did you? <laughs> Functionality is slightly different than design. Design is more... Uh-huh. That's right. Visually appealing, whereas yeah. functionality is how does it work best when you're trying yeah. to use it. That's right. User experience. <laughs> you're a user. Um, so, yeah, anyway. And then, uh, by the way, and this is out to all the shock monkeys, and I, this is just a personal question if you can answer this for me, if you have the answer game on the Intellivision called Mazatron. Uh, have any of you played it? And if so, I want to know your thoughts on it. So on the Kofi Discord or on Shock Monkey's Lair or even hit us on uh, our, we- our, uh, our email, Geekshock po- uh, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Never even heard of that. Uh, I, and again, it's a very obscure game. If you've played it and understood it, uh, I want to know your thoughts about it. So understood please. it. It's, it's, right. it's a whole. This is just for me. I just kind of want to throw it out there. Wow. Yeah. Um. All right. I started watching Picard. Oh, you just started three. season yeah. three. Yeah. So. So good. Yeah, I'm enjoying so it. So good. I'm enjoying it immensely. Do you get the feeling like I do, where if they had done what they're doing now for the previous two seasons, it would have got a lot more viewership and it would have been better? I have that feeling. Yep. It's it's kind of funny because it, uh, yeah. Has, they, has it been suffering in viewership? No, it's just they finally, I mean, this third season goes back to the next gen shows and movies. So it's like, whereas the first two seasons were totally standalone, they involved 
Star Trek characters and Picard was the lead, but they were standalone, really. And stories. the second season was just a long episode or two. Yeah. And, a and, Q episode that didn't really make a lot of sense. And to be perfectly honest, it... I, I hate saying this uh, because they, they kind of tried to do a little new story or something, but frankly... Um, this season it's it's you know the gang's kind of getting back together i'm loving i'm loving frakes and stewart oh yeah working off each other oh yeah i'm just enjoying the hell out of that um and frakes is directed i think we've only watched what three episodes yeah and he's directed two of the three yeah now i understand why they didn't do it in the first season because they wanted picard they wanted to talk about picard and how he grows and to and to see how he's reflected in new characters, yeah, like uh, Gerardi and, sure. and the cigar guy, and with Seven, which basically it's like the Seven show, which everyone loves, um, mm. yeah, for many reasons. Uh, but I mean, I understand why they had to do that, but it doesn't feel as cool as it does in the third season. The thing that that I think part of the reason why also next generation had a hard time you know had that rough start right way back oh, when yeah i think it was because the uh, the characters were finding themselves well yeah and the actors were trying to figure out how to play these right. characters yeah and, and, the, chemistry, and the chemistry and the chemistry the chemistry they were they were working on getting that established yeah because i think the success i've always felt this the success of the original series is the sense of family that you know Shatner, Nimoy, and Kelly create, and then the ancillary characters related to them. And I think that next generation, as they get more into that, I think they finally got there. But yeah, it took them a while, and yeah. that's part of its success. I think every successful Star Trek show. Everybody talks about, oh, optimistic view of the future, this and that, blah blah blah. I really think. At the end of the day, the shows that'll really work are the ones where you have your actors having their character chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And you're working with new characters and trying to establish new chemistry in Picard where the real success and legacy of Picard through Next Generation is the chemistry with all the other characters. The original, yeah. Yeah. So I think that... That to me, that's my analysis of why season three is working for me. Well, plus, I think it's really cool, like the end credits and stuff. Every it's like classic, mighty. I know it's so cool. It's like classic next gen, and they do the font of next gen. So beautiful. Yes, those end credits are probably the most beautiful end credits of any Star Trek series. They're phenomenal. They're just gorgeous, and I'm not even a big TNG fan, but it's just amazeballs. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was blown away when that first episode ended, and I was about to hit skip, and I'm just right. like... Right, and then you see, and they start doing it, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and just the just the acudograms moving across and mm-hmm. everything, it's just so amazing. And it really actually reminded me of... Um, no, of Star Trek The Experience because yeah. when you go on the bridge, like the panels they're showing in the end credits are like the panels that you, right. you know, right. had on the ride because it's yeah. static things that are just, you know, buttons you push and 
yeah it's very like oh my mm-hmm. god and nostalgia mm-hmm. it was really oh, nice no it was yeah it was it was it was really incredible i really did uh you would have liked next gen if it was written the way Picard season three is written, where it's that gritty used future and people yeah. people re- act like normal people would act. Right. But in the future, yes, there's a little bit of optimism. And yeah, obviously, it's future things are different, but it's not that ignorant, See, whitewashed hippie uh, optimism. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> Discovery know? brought that to Trek. Like you didn't really feel that until Discovery. Yeah. Like, so Discovery had its place, and it needed to be there. Yeah. Well, I, I really like Discovery, but the feel of it as a Trek show, because, it, like you said, it feels more like you can see where at one point it was more like military, like a real military ship, and um, they function more like a military like you than you see in old Trek shows. Um, you have more human moments. Yes. Th- just... But it feels it feels more I'm gonna real. Pr- I'm going to simplify this in a very simple way. But hear me out. Just the inclusion of the word "fuck." Yeah. That alone, people are fallible. People are crude. People use crude language and do crude things. Fuck yeah. <laughs> See, but it makes it makes the show a bit more relatable. Whereas next gen, a lot of those people are not relatable to anybody. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was part of my problem with Next Gen. Also, I just, I always had a chip on my shoulder because I was an original series fan, and I got a distinct feeling in those early episodes that despite the fact that DC Fontana is there, there's a little bit of embarrassment and reaction to the original series in the early parts of Next Generation. And there, there, there was a lot that they were trying to get away from. I could see that. And that bothered me. So, and actually, you know, I mean, for me, Next Generation, where I really enjoy it was like First Contact. I the love movies, that. I yeah. love that movie. Oh, that's and a I, great movie. And I love, I love all the Borg episodes. Before they created the Borg Queen, which is its own, you know, discussion, um, the Borg were actually, uh, I felt, kind of a truly unique alien species. Yeah. You know, they weren't just, you. I mean, they were... They were the typical Trek humans with shit, you know, plastered on their face, right? But the the concept of the Borg, the whole hive mind and all that shit was actually very, very different and inventive. And I just enjoyed that stuff. And that, that kind of sucked me in a little bit. And then First Contact, I, I know why they did The Queen and I sort of oppose it, but I love the movie anyway. I just thought the damn movie was damn good. Well, you had to make them... You have to put a face on them. Well, that's a typical Hollywood reaction. But isn't also it? to point out other creatures that kind of in other living beings on this planet that operate more as a hive mentality have a point figure that leads them like bees. Yeah. Bees have a queen. Makes right. that excuse. Geek shock it's not has an a excuse. <laughs> Everybody makes that excuse. So. Anyway. So anyway. Um, I agree though with the with the whole Borg thing. What I loved about the Borg is that was the first moment of like, oh, there's a horror character in right. Star Trek. Yeah. And that's a, R- really? a bunch of Michael Myers. Really? Not the those things that, that 
stuck in your in your oh. neck, and, and then they oh. ate worms. And, oh, nah, that, that I remember was, those. That, that, that was that's just, sci- that's just sci-fi goobery. A, f- a, f- a friend of mine, a long time ago, one time commented about Next Generation. He's like, eh, it's a TV show written by intelligent 14-year-olds <laughs> for intelligent 14-year-olds. And that, that whole alien in the back of the head thing, I think perfectly encapsulates that. It was kind of a lame thing to me. Whereas Borg, the Borg, it just was like, this is awful. Yeah, a little yeah. body yeah. horror going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with Something that. Something that takes away your humanity. Well, yeah. and I think it paved the way for, you know, Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite yes. Trek shows. That's and my favorite of the new. The Dominion Wars, right? So like, I really feel like doing the Borg in Next Gen led them to feeling more comfortable doing those types of shows in Trek. Mm-hmm. Well, that and the fact that uh, they were so focused on other things, the D- Deep Space Nine gang could uh, get away with shit, yeah. which was just lovely. Because it was like, look at what can happen if you just let them run wild, guys. <laughs> For fuck's sake. It was really cool. I mean, like, and and then you get some more, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine did more with the Ferengi than yeah. Next Generation ever did. Yep. And Sneed, Sneed was great. Have you guys gotten that far? Yeah. Okay, Sneed's great. Again, we're talking about Picard again. Yeah, back to Picard. That that was... Answer me this. Does he have a five o'clock shadow or was I just I, seeing it he funny? He did. He did have a five o'clock. Ferengi don't have beards. It's so funny too because it's like, you know, you don't see Andorians with beards, but Discovery and some of the newer ones... Every to you know, well, to be gritty, you gotta not shave because everybody's got scraggly beards. The or, Dark Mirror episodes, they all had goatees and facial hair. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it, <laughs> those are bad guys. Yeah, exactly. It's, Wait a minute, all of us have facial hair here, yeah. except for episode. Yeah, thank God, because that'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, be weird. Yeah, Mirror Universe, Deb. I don't. Yikes! <laughs> Oof, oh I know boy. she'd be like nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Deb, nice, but with a beard. Ew. What would Barry do? Not date me. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go with not date Deb. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's just terribly misogynistic. <laughs> All right, so I'll get you a girlfriend with a beard. And you can't uh, say anything about it because it'd be misogynistic. All right, well. I mean, she's a dwarf. It's fitting because female dwarfs have. Wait, really what? Mighty they? facial hair. Do they? And a lot of a lot How did of this story turn realms, into getting they do. me a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna get Kirsten no, a dwarven girlfriend with a beard. Dwarf. No, <laughs> she's gonna brew beer. No, it's gonna be great. No, I'm a better man. What the hell does that mean? It it means you're better than a dwarf. If you find a bearded Deb, I will date her. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Okay. Ha-ha! <laughs> Snap. We're going to the circus to find the bearded lady. <laughs> Gauntlet throne. Oh, you like that? He just changes it to lady. No. She has to be a bearded Deb. She has to be as smart as Deb, as geeky as Deb. I will find this person. <laughs> <laughs> the pro- problem is, is that there probably is uh, someone out there like that. So. Yeah, I can find one these uh, days, you know. Um. Anyway, I was watching Picard, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, and I've actually got to catch up on a lot of stuff. Uh, Strange New Worlds, I haven't caught up completely on Lower Decks. Um, no, so this is turning into an Almost Andy story. Yeah. So, but uh, Tell us what else you haven't what watched. You, tell us what you didn't do. Uh, well, I bought two books that I haven't read yet. All right. 
How do you not like them? <laughs> uh, I like them very well. Thank yes, you. Yes, their covers much. are they're wonderful. Yes, actually, the covers are kind of cool. So, um, but uh, yeah, I've been I've been looking around at science fantasy, hmm. sort of like you know a Thundar esque. The dra- Dragon Riders of Pern. Yes, exactly. Fantasy. And yeah. I read those. Yeah, it's uh, my oh my mom was a nut for Dragon Riders of Pern. Yeah, and I like that. I think that the um. The fantasy where the the magical aspect of it is explained through some kind of pseudoscience or technology right. actually can be really fun. So I've just been researching and, and bipping around looking for books like that. So I've gotten a couple that are recommended. We'll see how they go. Uh, right now I'm sort of reading, they've done yet again, uh, a new release, new pr- prints of Elric stories from Michael Moorcock. Uh, Elric of what? Mel Nibone. Mel <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of these. Yeah, um, actually, he uh, Michael Moorcock did so the anti-Conan in, uh, in the 1960s. Okay. So Elric is sort of like, it was basically just a reaction to the whole kind of Conan sword and sorcery thing. He was part of that new wave in the 60s, so very psychedelic, very rather metal, actually, and just really, really cool at the time. Barry didn't like Elric, but... but I um, gave it a shot. But I got like four books in. What he does is actually he wrote this series like in the late 60s going into the 70s, and uh, no, no big spoiler, it ends with him dying, right? But he then proceeds to continue writing stories. He was dying since the first book. So, so um, he uh, Morcott just writes more and more adventures and things leading up to that time. And it's the concept of the eternal champion, which is a being who basically is reincarnated over and over in fighting the battle between law and chaos. So then he writes other eternal champion stories. And so what happens is like every 10 years or so, a publishing house will collect his stories and then he'll do some editing and he'll do a little bit of rewriting and stuff like that. And then they'll put out yet a new new series of the books. So they've done that yet again. Um, So this is a new edit with some... Light rewriting. Uh, some rewriting, some new stories added to it and everything. Uh, and Michael Moorcock actually contributed to New Edge Sword and Sorcery magazine number one. So, but uh, yeah, this one, um, it's interesting because you can, I, I remember reading the first book from way back and he's definitely done some rewriting, tightening up the prose and stuff like that and you can just you can just sort of feel it, so and kind of because a lot of them were really short stories. Well, not not uh, short novels, and so this is sort of being expanded out. So it's interesting, and it's 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 a metal approach to fantasy that I kind of like. I'm you know I've already stated I'm tired of the whole Eurocentric thing, but I'm also uh, the the whole. Just I don't know the, just a lot of approaches to fantasy right now just kind of bug me. 
So I'd like a more psychedelic and a more metal approach and just basically what I'm feeling right now is like if you were like looking at Thundar the Barbarian, but deadly serious, you know. And I think we touched touched on that in the past few weeks. I've mentioned that. It's like you take that stuff that people would tend to sneer at, but think about it. If it was really real, how would people react to it? They wouldn't sneer at it. It, You know, most people would lose their minds. So that's the kind of thing I've just been looking at. So, but, you know, in terms of actual geeky thing, Picard's the, Picard's the thing. So it's been... It's been kind of cool. And we got to, uh, I think with that whole Atari talk, we've now discovered uh, what Geek Shock has to do, Todd. Oh, we got to we, we gotta get silver and gold and platinum with jewels and jade. Can we just get tin and brass and <laughs> used plastic wrappers from <laughs> the or construction area down better, the street? 3D printing that paints. You paint it, it looks like that. Okay, yeah. We could do that. There you go. I think just a little bit of cardboard and aluminum foil. We got it. Yeah, and we Macaroni wa- art. We hey. want something that people will bequeath to <laughs> 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 their descendants. So, um, anyway, I don't know. I it's Just you talking about that, Todd, it's an astounding marketing thing, and I had actually never heard of it before. Wow. wow. That, that's how effective marketing it was. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure we, oh, I think we talked about it once uh, years, oh, years I, and years sure, ago. Yeah, you guys might have mentioned it in passing. Maybe you weren't but, on the but show. This kind, well, maybe. Maybe. And this kind of detail, I mean, $25,000, $50,000 yeah, tchotchkes. Yeah. Love a good treasure hunt, man. Jesus. And, and, of course, then the mystery behind the sword is a great story right there. Right. And one of the gifts disappeared. It's like three of them. Oh, I'm sorry. Three of them disappeared. It's like that's. It's like what I was talking about the the other day with Trials Evolution. Yeah, I'm not going to go into that now. Google that shit yourself. It, that's a big. That's a whole deal. Yes, actually, that's true. Um, Barry educated me on Trials of Evolution. So no Trials Evolution. Trials like a, Evolution. It's a bike game. The Trial with a of crazy Evolution. Crazy ARG attached yeah. to it. Yeah. It turns out Darwin was adopted. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's an old Stephen White joke. <laughs> Before we move on, I think it's time for a classic segment, a little bit of what's going in my mouth. Barry, uh, let's take over this one. Yeah, it's what's going in your ugly mouth. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we got a good one, a whole big package in the mail. Hello, Geek Shock. I'm joining the effort to get Torgo to eat celery. God damn it. Torgo, here's something that hopefully will be a gateway to celery. To the rest of the crew, all these flavors are yours, except celery. Attempt no tastings there. Enjoy. Glumly. 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 Thank you, Glumly. Glumly. So what are the flavors we got? So what do we got? Okay, first, what is this? It's flavored spun cotton candy. Okay, so we've we've done the pickle one before. Okay. we've got... Wasabi. Oh, interesting. Mm-mm. I can get behind that. We've got cloves. I can definitely get behind sounds, that. Yeah. We've got horseradish. No. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, wasabi, horseradish, they're kind of similar. We've got chili pepper. No. And then this one is Todd's. It's celery. Get out of here with there this. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. We can all try. Here, try the clove one, Deb. Nature's Which one flavors. You uh, we got wasabi, chili pepper, horseradish. There's not a lot of information, no, but I do like wasabi. the ingredients are organic sugar, natural flavors, natural colors. 
that's it. I want to try the chili pepper one. Okay, so first, it smells like cotton candy with a hint of like, you know, clove. But it okay, it still smells like cotton candy. Open it. Mine does not smell like celery, like at the least. It smells sweet and delectable. Frankly, I smell chili pepper. Here, smell this. It smells like chili pepper a little bit. Uh, you do get a hint of chili yeah, pepper. It cuts through yeah. there. I do get. Can I a smell bit. the wasabi. Let me smell the wasabi. All right, Deb. It looks like you've already got a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, go for it. What? What's? How's it? How's it? How's it hanging over there? <laughs> You're gonna think it's strange, but it almost a slight tint of like burnt marshmallow. Really? <laughs> and the, your flavor is once again. She's clove. having a clove. stroke. <laughs> but that's that's like the flavor profile I get off of it. Okay. And Kirsten is having the wasabi. What do you think? Is that hot? The chili pepper's a little spicy. Oh, oh I my. don't know. I've never had wasabi before. <laughs> I haven't either, so. A what? good judge of yeah. character. Give it to know. me. Give me the wasabi. I love sushi. Here, try the chili pepper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they have switched. And this, are, this, and I love it. how this looks and feels like. This uh, proper cotton candy. Yeah, it is. It is. So, go ahead. The thing Ooh. that you put in walls. Yikes. Asbestos? Um, you mean insulation? Yeah, it's yeah. insulation. All right, so wasabi, Barry. What, how's, how's, that, how's that play? This one's good. I like this one. The sweetness cuts the heat of the wasabi. I, I kind of like the wasabi. Nice. It's interesting. Okay, now I'm going to try celery. So here, here we go. Like clove. He doesn't look unhappy. He just looks kind of confused. Yeah. The flavor is very confused. Yes. Is there celery? Maybe. Maybe there's a hint of celery salt to it. Um, however, it's a very sweet cotton candy. And if celery tasted like this, I would probably have it a lot more often. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, but just a pepper. hint maybe of celery to it. Ugh. <laughs> Kay tried it, and that was his response. Uh, it is. It's kind of like celery, celery salt, oh my smothered God. in it's sugar. Clove, cloves taste like smoking cloves. <laughs> the clo- it tastes. I like it. It's good. Okay, cl- I'm going for the clove now. Well, you, you got a big old handful. Well, Todd inhales. I agree with Deb's assessment. It tastes like burnt marshmallow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You want to try? The, you want to try the uh, wasabi? Yes, I do. I do love wasabi. We haven't tried the horseradish. I, it's yellower than the rest of them. Okay, <laughs> open that up then. Uh, I'm going to... There is a, a tab. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> Barry says, F your tab. The tabs. <laughs> I like how he's just throwing the tops willy-nilly. Is there wasabi in this? I don't taste it. It tastes like cotton candy. Yeah. That one is very yellow. All right, horseradish going in Barry's mouth. Yeah, I don't taste a lot of anything in that one. Uh, it's just sweet. Uh, of the ones that yeah. I've tasted here, aside from the chili powder, because it has that tried spice to it, uh, the celery seems to have the most character. Character, that's a word. <laughs> Does it have that vegetal taste? It has a <laughs> celery salt taste to it. Yeah, this the horseradish doesn't taste uh, anything like horseradish yeah, at all. Really? No. I mean, it doesn't... It's not Schnozberries super, don't taste like schnozberries. It's not super sweet, but it doesn't... Tastes yeah. like horseradish. Yeah, you're not using this yeah. at a seder. Celery salt. Yeah. <laughs> Glumly, we appreciate this very, very much. It yes. was a, quite the experiment. Um, 
that you know what? And again, I stand behind it. If celery tasted like this, I'd eat it more often. This doesn't even need peanut butter and raisins. <laughs> if celery could rot your teeth out of your mouth, Todd would be all in. I full, you know what? I think that celery will rot your teeth more than this because that those little those little hair fibers get between your teeth and they get stuck there, and that's bad for you. Very bad for you. What do you mean? Fuck you, celery. That's natural flossing. Yeah. Not when it's That's there for days. Fiber. Nature's flaws and fiber. <laughs> I think the wasabi wins. That's. I think that's my what? favorite. What? I disagree. Wow. Really? Wasabi tastes... Well, it of wins because five, it tastes like cotton candy. Of these five, you think which one do you think is the best? I like the clove. Uh, I agree. I think clove tastes the best. Okay. Uh, I Yeah, clove is kind of... And it doesn't taste like clove. It tastes like... Burnt sugar. Yeah. 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 So again, these are yeah. nature's flavors. Natural wasabi flavors. Spun cotton candy. Available down, uh, distributed by nature's flavors. <laughs> these could use a lot more potency. Yes. At Except that chili flavors. pepper. Did you have the chili pepper? Uh, no. Oh, that's got some... It's got a little kick. That's got some They probably kick. have some chili pepper in there. I, I'm One would assume. Yeah, I hope. I don't know. I don't want to know what that is. I'll put these back in the box. We can make Jeff eat all these. Yes, we'll yeah. make Jeff... on a episode coming up we'll have to do a whole taste test. we'll yeah. have them put let's put it all together in one clump <laughs> and oh, have them yeah. have all together at once and have them try to identify the flavors oh okay <laughs> um, actually here's a ball you must eat it that i think that's actually a good a good idea the blind taste jeff Come, what is this yes coming to a geek shock near you <laughs> And if you don't like that idea, then I throw it over to Deb. Deb, what time is it? News you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, Glumly. <laughs> the first trailer for Cocaine Shark has been released. Co- wait, 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 wait. wait you, you mean Cocaine wait. Bear? No, Cocaine Shark. Fuck. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> and thanks to Cocaine Bear, this is the first of a slew of super low-budget and super crappy films about animals who are high on drugs that go around killing. Great. As we mentioned last week, the Asylum is also currently working on Attack of the Meth Gator. Yes, that inspired a lot of bad drug animals. Yes. Cocaine Shark comes from Wild Eye releasing, and in the film, a mafia drug lord has unleashed a new highly addictive stimulant on the streets called HT25, derived from sharks <laughs> well, held captive a in a secret name. lab. Yes. <laughs> And which causes monstrous side effects. After an explosion and a leak at the lab, an army of mutated, bloodthirsty sharks and other creatures are set loose on the world. This movie was directed by Mark Bologna, and it comes complete with a stop-motion animated mutated cocaine shark. (laughs) Now, to be clear, this is not the same studio that did Cocaine Bear. No. No. No, this is, like, way low budget. I say this because we got to watch the trailer for this piece of shit. Yes, we did. And it looks like the joke films that are in other films. It does. Or, have have any of you seen Birdemic? No. Uh, No. No. But I've heard about it. Uh, You know what? For all the, uh, and just step right in here. Hey, uh, Clockwork Torgo people, the votes are going on right now. So, uh, uh, but looks like there's a runaway winner once again. So the announcement will probably come pretty quick. So, <laughs> wow, there's your chance. Get your vote in. Um, but it's Birdemic. Uh, I should force you all to watch Bird- Birdemic. Oh it's, no, why? It's, wow. it's bad. It's, Clockwork Geek Shock. It's, no, it's. The whole point is to make him watch mo- movies that he should have seen, not yeah. shitty movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is the opposite. Yeah, this is Torco foisting awful things yeah. on him. Uh, Birdemic is... 
it's super i mean it makes uh, the room look like citizen kane it's super low budget it's super low budget the effects are awful the acting is worse and <laughs> uh but it did it was so bad that it did well enough to warrant a sequel oh god mm. wow so, one of those like you have to watch it is yeah. so horrible and yes. then they were like oh wow. people love it so we're gonna make another one wow S- some dude thought he could make a movie failed upwards that's it's, what this trailer looks like well it does it has very ver- birdemic vibes the 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 cocaine shark trailer uh remember in fablemans when um it uh shows like his first his first uh cowboy film and how he like the fablemans oh okay spielberg's first little film for uh the boy scouts thing the boy scout art man whatever badge he was working on and looking at Cocaine Shark, it's like if that character had access to today's technology, ah. that trailer is what would have happened. That's but, how. But I, we're talking about an eight-year-old child, right? Uh, a little older than eight, but yeah. But a child. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure it, this was it, done by a full. Yeah. Full-grown adult. A full-grown eight-year-old child. With the, <laughs> full with the sensibilities of an eight-year-old child. There you go. That's how you do it. No, the the, the Fableman's thing was really cool because he did a, the, he was he did they he did a western, and the guys you know with the toy guns are like pew pew, and he was just watching that adventure scene and he's like this I uh, what the fuck do I do, and then when he shows it at the uh, jamboree. The, the guns are flashing and things are going up and his, he, his dad was like, what the hell did you do? And apparently Spielberg pinpricked the tips of the guns uh, frame by frame in the movie to give the effect of the guns shooting off. And it totally changed everything. Wow. It was actually really cool. So like, he physically modified the film. Yes. Got and, it. and he just took a little pin and he just boop, 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 you know, and, and that's how he created the uh, flares for the guns. And in many ways, I'm looking at that trailer because there's, <laughs> there's just the explosions and the... <laughs> oh, they're like blue lightning bolts, <laughs> but they're like cartoon it lightning bolts. It was like very cartoony and then the, then the fake CG fire and, and that animatronic... Hey, shark shark thing. thing. If you miss Ray Harryhausen, this is yes. your movie. <laughs> Watch the trailer. It's like two minutes of your life. You, you won't regret him. it. We should yeah. link it. You'll actually no. you, you watch some pissed. Yeah. You'll be you'll be thankful Harryhausen is dead. <laughs> so he doesn't have to see this. <laughs> this is your legacy, Ray. <laughs> and die inside all over again. Thanks, Raymond. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. And screw you, we are going to give them business. Otherwise, how are we going to get all our drug animal films? All of them. It's not Sharknado. They're probably way, way, way lower budget than Sharknado. Even know. better. And we're going to get Ian Zeering to star in all of them. I saw a recent uh, advert for Ninja versus Shark. Ninja versus Shark? Yeah. Are they in water? Yeah. Shark wins. <sighs> But it's a ninja. You don't know about ninjas. This reminds me of an Atari game. One game that was released in the late cycle of the 7800 that very few people bought and barely sold was actually a really cool game called Ninja Golf. Ninja Golf. You, it was an actual golf game, but when your ninja, who was playing golf, 
walks to his ball, he has to fight other ninjas and creatures on the way to that ball. I would play golf if it were like that. <laughs> and then when you get to the ball, you hit it again. Oh, my God. And, of course, you have different creatures if you Can go you through the sand trap. Can you use your golf club also as, like a t- as a weapon? You know what? They don't have that, no. Damn. What? That's lame. You got ninjas, man. They got a they got a. Code. Yeah, but ninjas have tools. They use weapons. Ninjas well, sure. use you weapons that were basically like farming. And there's ninja stars, sure, but uh, but no, no golf. Be clubs. a staff. That would be disrespectful be to the clubs. A staff. You use a staff. You don't use a club. That's disrespectful. Wow. Well, to the game. I, what if Jackie Chan had a fight on a golf course? Well, he wouldn't be a ninja because he's Chinese. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to interject. All right. News you don't give a shit about. Yelp goody. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, the upcoming online co-op action shooter from Rocksteady, uh, yes. has reportedly been delayed from its plan may release to sometime later this year, in quotes. Okay. This Did fo- they already get delayed? I think it's like the second. Okay. This follows last month's release of new gameplay footage being met with a flood of negative reactions from fans and critics. First revealed in August 2020, Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game stars popular DC villains like Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang and is based on a long-running series of comics about villains being recruited by government agent Amanda Waller to take on wildly dangerous threats and complete ethically dubious missions. Bloomberg has reported that Suicide Squad has been delayed from May to yet-to-be-determined date sometime later this year. Aha! It seems very. Uh, it seems very likely that the Suicide Squad is getting some extra time following the backlash to try to tweak and improve as much as possible. How much can you do at this state of the game? I mean, besides just spend a shit ton extra money and hope that you make it back. I, I mean, don't the know. Core programming's there, right? I, you would hope so. At this point, yeah. What? But story. I mean, story's important to a lot of game players true, for content true. like this. Like, if you're going to put out a video game on. Marvel or Star Wars or any, the story is super important. It's not just a video game where you're killing things and you wouldn't know that by the last bunch of releases, Avengers, <laughs> Gotham Knights, those story-wise those were bleh. What studios were those? Uh I don't I, this one, the one, last one Gotham Knights was not Rocksteady. I know that. Um, Bloomberg, Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier explained on Twitter that the relatively short delay, assuming it still comes out this year, is likely not intended to overhaul the core gameplay. Okay. And instead is just about polishing what's already there. So don't expect Warner Brothers and Rocksteady to rip out all the live service, the live service crap, God multiple currencies, or the always online requirement. That That's, sounds horrible. That's the shit they should rip out. Right. Give me a single player any day. Uh. That's why I didn't play Elder Scrolls online. I tried. I tried, and I was like, nope. It's crap. Well, that was like um, Fallout. 76. Yeah, we tried. Oh, that was so bad, too. Which, it really, we were so disappointed because we really liked Fallout 4. Yeah. It was a really good game. Um, We both played the crap out of it. And so we were really excited when 76 came out, and then, like, we tried playing a few times, and we the game hadn't been out that long, and it already, it was like, you would get to a certain level, and you would have these campers and people who would attack you, and they were like 20 levels above you. And I'm like, this is not fun. Nope. I want to play the game. I don't want to die constantly and then log off screaming and yelling and probably throwing you, my controller. You can't blame them. They're bored. <laughs> what Why, else are you going to do in that game? It's one of the best things I liked about WoW is they gave you an option. You could play on a server, which was, you know, 
attacking other people, or you could play on a server where you couldn't attack other people. Or you could play on those cringy roleplay servers. Or you could play on the cringy roleplay, but they gave you a choice. Yes. It wasn't all just, it's all in this one, you don't have an option, and if you really want to play the game, get ready to just die multiple times unless you are the first one to this level. It's dumb. I hate it. The, uh, I played on PvP. Frostbane. I played on For the PvP. Horde! I played on PvP as well. I played on both. I played on PvP and I played on a non-PVP server and totally different vibes completely, completely. Um, but at least they also built their PVP servers where depending on what level you were, generally speaking, you were safe as long until you got to a certain level. Yeah. Right. So if people came and attacked you in low level places, they were like ganged up upon by the NPCs. And they'd get negative honor points. Yes. I had so many negative <laughs> Because you're in one of those guilds that like to go to like the spawn areas and Fuck just kill you, all Fuck you, Goldshire. Oh, we would go through and kill all the NPCs. And you couldn't really touch any of the lower level characters, so we'd just dance around. You hear that silence? That silence is the surprise of the listeners. Yes. <laughs> was Undead this, priest for the win. Was this the same guild that Major Mad was in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surprising. Yeah. That is surprising for him. That is surprising. <laughs> I always loved his story of when his uh, Steph was getting ganked. Oh, she like yeah. complained to Dumb him, so he he went in there and he just he beat up on this guy so bad. The guy finally started begging him to stop <laughs> killing him. Yes. Please just let me go. <laughs> and Mess like leave my wife alone. <laughs> Well, I will just stop. We would have one dude sitting in the path, like playing dead, like you could feign death, <laughs> and then everyone else hiding in the bushes. And people were coming along. Doo, 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 I think I'll complete my quest. Oh, what's this? A dead body? Oh no! <laughs> God Almighty! They had a whole thing. In another yes! life, you would be like a highway robber, ma'am. You lived in the Old West and robbed stagecoaches. That's all you did. And he calls me asshole. For the well, horde. That, that's the only thing that consoles me, Deb, is that Todd would be a part of this group. And at some point, he would be uh, Ford shooting Jesse James in the back of the head. <laughs> Deb, I feel so bad that you never got to really enjoy the 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 fun and, and the slog that was the 40-man raid. Yeah, I never did. Oh. 40 people, 40 angry people all trying to get loot, um, barely organized. And I was the like the chief of the priests, so we'd have our own little chat. So the chief of the 40 angry people? No, oh, no of, the, of priests. the priests. Oh, okay. so we'd all have our own little discussion in priest chat, and we would just be telling terrible jokes and like saying, okay, this time we're not going to heal this guy. And... Uh, Everybody's like, why am I dying? I don't know. You're just a, you're a shitty bad. You just suck. <laughs> that's what we God. call them. We call them shitty bads. <laughs> but yeah, the 40 man rate, that's how most of them worked. Like, you would have a point person for each class. And then, so they would direct the other people of their class oh, okay. to help support. Because, I mean, it's 40 people all trying sure. to kill this big giant monster who keeps spawning all this shit and would have different rounds of things and right. sonic I would lead waves. The, I would lead the prayer. Before before the raid, give, give us an example of the prayer. Lords of loot, give us your loot, or we will come and stick our swords in your asses. This we pray. It wasn't like a prayer to God or anything. <laughs> wow, boy, it was more like a fit. <laughs> wow, sounds fun. I wish I played it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, wow, was it anything like this? <laughs> it was. Were, were we? <clears throat> oh, I love the grinding. No one liked the grinding. Yeah, I know. It was terrible. I know. That's all I got to do. Ugh. Because that's the only time I got to play. It's anyway. like once a week. Anyway, <laughs> news you don't give a shit about. Oh. Nerdy conventions and concerts are great. Yes. They also have a reputation for smelling bad, as certain mm-hmm. people attending yeah. have decided that personal hygiene is optional. And I think those of us who have attended San Diego Comic Con have been first witness to this. Mm. It is nerd funk. nerd funk. Yes. So it is that one popular singer and voice actress, so one popular singer and voice actress, decided to gently, sweetly ask anime lovers coming to her next concert to take a damn shower. <laughs> <laughs> Nerdfunk isn't new. It's not a new phenomenon. People have been dealing with this problem for years, and some folks even writing survival guides on how to deal with smelly anime or game cons. I think even you guys did, we did. a web episode preparing for Comic-Con. I wish I still had it. Yes. Yeah, once upon a time. Yeah. So it's nice to see someone with some clout, some popularity, take a preemptive stab at solving the stink. As first reported by insider anime voice actress and singer Rai Takahashi tweeted a hand-drawn guide to help her fans better enjoy her first concert, which happened late last month. The 29-year-old actress, best known for her roles in Genshin Impact and Seiyu's Life, reportedly um, reportedly proffered some sensible advice like bringing a backup battery for your phone and stashing valuables in a small secure bag. However, she also included a section politely asking her fans to bathe and clean themselves before arriving. Please! In the bottom right hand of the hand-crafted infographic takahashi drew a person cutting their nails and washing with soap and water <laughs> she explained I love that this this would help avoid bothering other people with nasty body oil. this isn't news i don't give a shit about this is news i encourage <laughs> very much so yeah in fact if we ever have a, another con for uh, geek shock which let's face it it'll be dipcon um you should you should all wash <laughs> A lot. maybe that's that should be our, our giveaway for the next one is just little soap. bars of soap. soap little bars of soap yeah Kay, can you carve soap? Can you carve our likenesses into yeah. soap? I I think actually, uh, what's this sticker baloney? I know we, we need to start soap. doing <laughs> soap geek shock soap on a rope. <laughs> on a rope, oh fancy! <laughs> yeah, I think we're made of money. Come on. Instead of <laughs> instead of drawing <laughs> pictures, we can each carve. A yeah, we'll soap. carve soap. Ooh, I used to soap carve. That was fun. But then you put it. The problem is, though, we're getting to the warm parts of the year, and if we try to uh, nail those, they might get really. Yeah, this probably. That's okay. Yeah. We, we, it was a great looking carving when we mailed it. I don't. <laughs> don't know what happened. Dolly G. I carved a bar of soap. Yeah. Out of a bar of soap. Congratulations. Mm. One of the one of the last cons, uh, comic cons that I went to, uh, with uh, TSR there. Uh, it was Wizards of the Coast at that point. They were Wizards of the Coast with Avalon Hill all together in one booth. But uh, when you walked up to them, the first thing they gave you was a small pack of mints. And I really appreciated them. <laughs> yeah. Really appreciated them. Uh, and, and, and I will always remember the most wonderful moment. I went to an Aqua Teen Hunger Force panel. And they had a special animation made just as an introduction of a shake and so on. And I think it's on YouTube. So if you look up Comic-Con introduction for... Aqua Teen, and, and shakes. Yes. By the way, that thing in your room—it's uh—it's called shampoo. It's <laughs> complimentary. Just saying. Use it. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really. just like, thank you, thank you, shake. Yeah, that's. So it. one of my so I have a really sensitive nose, 
and it drives me nuts. I know it drives Barry nuts a lot, but it drives me nuts because I don't want to smell all those things all the time. And one of the best things about wearing masks during COVID was I didn't smell all of that all the time. That's so mm. true. And so, but now that we're back to no masks, I'm like, sometimes I just want to wear one so you know that what? I don't have to smell and it. And you can. You go ahead and do it. I know. I used to put a little bit of uh, lavender oil in, in mine just to Freshen make it all it that up. much better. So yeah. I don't have to smell it my own damn breath. Yeah, that's the one downside. You drink a big thing of coffee, you mm. put your mask on, you're like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I actually... I actually hate the smell of my own breath. So it's sort of like... Uh, that makes two of us. Masking. <laughs> he walked into that. <clears throat> Weekend Geek! <clears throat> Yay! Hoorah! Uh, this Weekend Geek is brought to us with an ad. So, Kofi members, uh, to your four and up, you every month you get a free ad. And here's this one. <clears throat> For about 99 cents... You can buy a weak cup of gas station coffee. In the netherworld, just 99 cents a day can keep a bright little imp full of promise from starving in the streets. For about 99 cents, you can buy a pack of gum, plain or sugarless. Or perhaps a bottle of soda, also plain or sugarless. In the netherworld, your 99 cents may buy precious moisturizer for a meat monster. Have you ever stopped to consider how much moisturizer it takes to keep a meat monster from drying out into a crusty scab? Today, so many suffering demons need your help. It takes so little for you to become a special friend to a disgusting conglomeration of claws and anuses, but it's worth so much more than you'll ever know. As a sponsor, you'll be able to exchange texts and emails with your little demon, assuming it hasn't been tortured or devolved to the point of illiteracy. Please, purchase, rate, and review Rebirth of the Fallen series today. Think about it. With a little bit of your spare change, you can begin changing the life of a demon forever. Each rating or review of any of the books of the Rebirth of the Fallen series will sponsor a young demon, lifting it out of poverty, giving it a real chance in the netherworld. Just think about it. The next time a, a bone demon raids a crowded hospital, telekinetically ripping the bones from people's bodies and turning their rib cages into bone spiders, you will have played a part in it. The next time you see a perfectly moisturized meat monster where the muscle is red and, and glistening and the fat is snow white, that's just a hint of yellow. <laughs> you may have helped that happen. Just think about it and please rate and review today. Thank you, J.R. Cockle, for your ad. <laughs> wow. Meat monster. You know, meat monster is my dead milkman polka cover band. <laughs> I gotta say that a little bit about moisturize it reminds me of that doctor who episode moisturize me. moisturize me <laughs> yes i Meat what monster. i like most about those ads is as you're reading through the various demons or characters or whatnot deb's face lights up in recognition <laughs> of uh exactly every, everything I know exactly she's who read. He's describing yes <laughs> can i i think i've said this before but i really appreciate the way that jr kunkel does the um to contact you know, the, the netherworld to the underworld and stuff to communicate with demons that are there and not on the material plane. Um, you talk through imps and it's like 
you know, you have to do this whole ceremony with blood and stuff, but then you end up getting, it's like a, a cam, it's like a picture through, a, you know, through the blood or the water or whatever. Yeah. And it's almost like you've just randomly, a camera turns on and this imp is like, hello? <laughs> hello? It's just, it's so funny the way he has written those scenes. I really like it. Is there a, are there bone spiders? There's a, a bone, mon- there's a bone, bone demon. demon and he's huge and pretty, pretty ridiculous. Like, well, I just had this picture of bone spiders where like your bones right, so he can like, spiders. He can like create other things up. from, yeah, because he'll just consume people and then all of that okay. matter becomes part of I him, just had this picture can... of a spell that turns your bones into spiders. Well, yeah, just turn That's creepy. Your rib- no, he just creates anim- spiders with bones. Okay, it's different. Yes. Animate a rib cage. Because there's a spell yeah. in 5th edition called Bone Melt. works exactly like you think. Yeah. You don't come back from that. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's one of them Slytherin spells. That's right. That's from Dargotha, like the Creeping Doom. If Disintegrate hits. Oh, yeah, you're done. My uh, sorceress had that. She tried using it a couple times. Didn't always hit. It's one of those spells that it hits or doesn't. There's no half damage. And it's like a ninth level spell or eighth level spell. It's a high level spell. So, yeah. In, your, in the hands of your character? Mm-hmm. Storm Sorceress. So chaotic, like chaotic, chaotic. Yes. Loved it. Ah, uh, the good old days when we used to play <laughs> D&D. Here we go. <laughs> she also had reverse gravity. Love that spell. And I... Let me tell you about my character. Could use it in some... <laughs> some t- so... This is the game our friend Greg was the DM. And there was a couple times he had planned out this battle. You could see it. And then I was like, reverse gravity. And he's like, fucking. Okay. <laughs> All right. He had planned this whole thing to go probably for a long time. And I ended the, the battle in like fucking players. 20 minutes. Play- players are the worst. <laughs> DM yeah. should just write stuff, read it, <clears throat> and then just go to bed. <laughs> Roll a few dice for themselves. <laughs> D&D would be so much more fun without the players. Yeah, I know, right? players get, make that get a game. bunch of dms Thank together talk about it and yeah done with it <laughs> all right so here's what would happen <laughs> yeah. oh, okay all right. and then it, it's a tpk yeah that's the way all those shitty bads shitty bads <laughs> sketchy <isn't> it? <laughs> it is yeah. i know todd's gonna refuse to name this episode shitty, shitty bads because <laughs> you see right. there was <laughs> You have to understand, in a raid group, you couldn't take your entire. We had a guild of two hundred people. Oh, so wow. we uh, we had we couldn't. We, there was the A group, and then there was like the B group. You and then the C and D group. Well, yes. no, those people they defend for themselves. But uh, you, you, you wanted actual raid progression because there was like a bunch of bosses that you would fight, and you wanted to be able to beat this thing and have it on farm after a while. Meaning, like where you could just farm like the good shit out of it. And the A group, Mm. so you wanted goods, you didn't want bads. And who are the really bad ones? Those are the shitty bads. (laughs) That's what we called them. Then why were they in your guild? Eh, A friend of a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's girlfriend, whatever. You're a friend of a friend, but you're shitty bad. Well, we wouldn't use that language with everybody, but, you know, it being like (laughs) 10, 15 years later, fuck them, they were shitty bads. (laughs) But they were fun at parties, so it's all good. Oh, uh, were they not? Thank God that we have <laughs> parties. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we think- <laughs> <laughs> Read the news, you shitty bad. <laughs> there have been rumblings of Beetlejuice 2 for years. Yeah. Well, now it looks like the sequel might be happening. Variety reports that the sequel is finally a go with uh, Burton reuniting to direct, Keaton coming back to repro- reprise his role as the bio-exorcist Beetlejuice, 
Winona Ryder is said to be coming back as Lydia Dietz. Catherine O'Hara returning as stepmother. Uh, Delia, uh, is it Dahlia? Delia? Dietz? Dahlia. Dahlia. Dahlia, thank you. And Jenna Ortega, who played Wednesday, has been offered to star as Lydia's daughter. Uh, Plan B is producing the film. Uh, met with critical acclaim, Beetlejuice grows seventy-four million in North America on a fifteen million dollar budget. Well, that's a, that was a hit they didn't expect, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they had some good actors in that movie, and I like the music. I don't know why. It always was like super, especially the dining scene. What always got stuck in my head. Well, they got to have Harry Belafonte. <laughs> <laughs> there is that, uh, but of all of. Burton's films, I feel it's his most creative. There's just, there's not, there's a, a, it's not about the story, although the story idea is fun. The side of the ghost trying to haunt the living and a bio exorcist. Uh, but it's all in the style. Yeah, it's, it's all just style. style, 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 style. Don't read too much into the world because it'll very easily break, but just look at the style of it. It's fun. I love all this Hollywood connection that's being made with Jenna Ortega. Well, it's because so, she's super. It, I mean, they've been doing this a lot the last few years. Something makes this does super, super, super well, and everybody's like, "We must use that actor or actress in our stuff now, now, yeah. now, 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 now." Yeah, but I mean, I like the connection that because you know, like, th- there's sort of a. Um, a, a Christina Ricci quality to her, so Wednesday works, right? That's true. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. then they, and then at the, she was, does was kind it, of look like she'd be the daughter of. Was yeah. the SAG Awards where uh, they had her and Aubrey Plaza do a present an award together, and part of the gag is they actually sit there and I don't see, I don't see the similarity. I don't know what people are talking about, and of course they're both playing it totally the same. And now Winona Ryder. It it actually it's kind of funny how she's, you know, slotting in just perfectly with that whole dark haired emo, yeah, you know, gothy girl. with the e word. She's not emo. Oh, I'm sorry. None of those girls were emo. <laughs> they were they were more gothy than anything. Emo. Emo I, is super emotional. Keep that in mind. They're like they're like emotional goth. That, well, that's what emo is. I so hate emos. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you remember traditional goth, Cheer up, mm. right? So it's more like Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice. Right. That's traditional goth. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Yeah. That seems kind of emo. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's just saying that to piss us off now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love, I love Shitty her. bad. That's <laughs> what you are. <laughs> Look at these two. My goodness. Uh, well, you know, Wednesday, directed by Tim Burton. Yeah. So already an in with the director. There so, you go. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I loved her in Wednesday. I think she did amazing. Oh, yes. oh amazing in Wednesday. That and that just the way that she can deliver. You still get tons of like con like emotional context, but she's just so deadpan. Yeah, it's, mag- it's great. It was magnificent. Yeah. The spiritual successor of Batman the animated series, Batman Caped Crusader was initially being developed for HBO Max by producers J.J. Abrams, Max Reeves, and Bruce Timm. After Warner Brothers canceled the project, it's now landed at Amazon with a two-season order. Tim previously talked about the show, sharing that it is, quote, more Batman the Animated Series than Batman the Animated Series, unquote. The show will capture what Tim was... (laughs) That That doesn't make any sense. Wow. Well, now we know what Warner exec... uh put the kibosh on it 
The show will capture what Tim was originally looking to do with the animated series, saying, quote, My idea is basically to say, okay, it's 1990 again. I get to do what I want to do this time. And I got J.J. and Matt backing me up, unquote. The series is being written by acclaimed comic book writer Ed Brubaker. The show will focus on a version of Batman who is completely alone in his journey. Reeves explained, quote, There's not the Justice League. It doesn't exist. There aren't any other superheroes. It's Batman. You're watching this lone figure swimming through the cesspool of Gotham. It's Batman alone, unquote. It's also explained that Batman won't have all of his gadgets as the show takes place before a time he started investing money in that stuff. Quote, so he's going to be very low tech initially. You know, he develops as a character. We'll start introducing these gadgets and the audience can see how he developed the Batmobile using different prototypes. That's part of the fun of this series is we're finding him discovering these things that in other Batman series, they already were there, unquote. So this is basically Bruce Tim going, yeah, we're doing Batman the Animated Series, but this time we don't have TV censors keeping us from doing the things we want. Ooh. Sex scenes. In cartoons? Well. I mean, they, well, they do it in, in <laughs> Harlequin, but that's, you know, on HBO. Um, there was a, f- a, a fun little YouTube video I stumbled across. It, uh, somebody called it, uh, Tony Stark learns from his mistakes. And so it would talk about how, like, you know, Tony Stark develops armor that can take him out of the atmosphere. And then it shows that scene in Sorry. Far From Home or No Way Home or Home Again, Home Again, Jiggity Jig. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, uh, where he, he gets, like, massive rocket thruster boots to propel himself. And then it shows... Because he had to throw a nuclear missile into a space warp and had a hard time doing it. And they show the scene from Avengers when he's doing it. And they just go over and over where in previous movies he had to do something and it was tough. And then in a later movie you see he made it a lot easier with an innovation. And it goes, because Tony learns from his mistakes. And it was an interesting concept because you're like tracing Tony Stark like developing stuff. So that would be cool if it was along these lines in in this series where he's like, man, I really could have used something I could just shoot at a at a ledge and it grabs onto it so I can swing on my silken cord to escape the cowardly and superstitious lot that are criminals. I really wish I had bat shark repellent. Yeah. You always need that. Not always, but it's good when you need it. Bat wow. helicopter. What are some of the weird 66 Batman gadgets? Oh, you know, the bat boat. Bat boat. They, uh, they, they, they did that later Hall of Justice uh, special or something, and they had the bat jet skis. They were so, actually bat jet skis? Yeah. It, it, they had, like, rockets or something on them? Uh, no, there was, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was as jet <laughs> skis were fast. becoming a thing. And so you had the the wizard, I don't, I can't I remember know. his name, tr- uh, running away from Batman. So he got on one jet ski, and Batman had the bat jet ski and chased after him. And there was a jet ski chase. So because sponsored jet skis, by yeah, C-Dear. yeah, really. So, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Okay, right, fine. I hope it's a hit. I hope it's a massive hit for Amazon. Because Warners doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, definitely. I just I'm uh, more Bruce Tim Batman. I'm I'm in. Yeah. 
Games Workshop announced a limited trial for the Warhammer recycling program. Although the plastic sprues, that's the plastic frame that model pieces are attached to, have long been recyclable, the initiative is the first time the company itself has brought a recycling program in-house. Participating Warhammer stores across the UK, 28 in all, will be rolling out recycling collection bins by the end of March for hobbyists to drop off used-up sprues, old plastic bottles, and empty paint pots. Quote, the why is obvious looking after Terra is everyone's responsibility, as us included. And this is a small thing that we can do to help the effort. The announcement post reads, in part, There are some limitations to the trial beyond this small number of stores involved. There are over 130 Warhammer stores in the UK alone. Uh, firstly, the program will only accept plastic sprues and miniatures, no die-cast metal or resin products. It will only accept Games Workshop-made items for recycling, citing that the company can't be responsible for sprues and paint pots it doesn't explicitly know the chemical makeup of. That's a smart... I mean, I get that from an environmental standpoint. That's yeah. very smart. Uh, Warhammer fans also won't see a return on the recycling in form of like new models or anything to get back for it. Uh, made from old plastic, it could be... But that could change if, as the program develops. Quote, the plastic used in Citadel miniatures is of high, very high quality and purity, so there are loads of uses for the recycled material elsewhere in the plastic chain, including garden planters, playground equipment, even tennis tables. The announcement continues, because Citadel miniatures require such high-quality materials, we're not yet able to turn old sprues collected from stores back into new models, though we are investigating that for the future, unquote. So this new story is... They put recycling bins in 28 stores. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Why is that in not in news you don't give a shit about? Because we should all give a shit about the state of the planet. Yes, oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know how many people... Just <laughs> fucking put recycling bins in your stores, and that's the end of it. It's not a news thing. <laughs> so... From a logistics standpoint, I can tell you that that's not as simple as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Once Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Once you're a company and you want to recycle as a company, there's a lot of laws and regulations that are now linked to your recycling effort. So you have to use certain facilities to recycle this material. You can only take certain things to recycle. It costs you money to do these things. So that's, I mean, I understand why they're bringing it in-house because if you send it off-site to an outsourced recycling location, you are paying them to take your recycling, even though it's recyclable material. You're paying them. So there's lots of legal things tied to recycling as a company. So I get where they're coming from on this, but I'm probably the only one because... Yeah. yeah. And also, there's a whole bunch of Borg cubes that won't be made now. <laughs> so... Very true. Very true. What's your not-made Borg cube? Write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. <laughs> And I want to thank our Tier 1 Kofi members, Sir Chomps, Highland Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruin, Scoopatron, Mandy, Soured Maddie D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scully, Mr. Dumble Dave, Froyog Softserve, Gil, Matthew Bates, Earth7, John B, and Dig McSmigs. And, of course, our Tier 4 members, King Vault, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and our Tier 5 members, Jeff Harris, Aussie Matt, Man Martron, Glumley, Atomic Gumby, and a special shout out to Jake. Hi, Jake. We love you. Hey, hey. King Vault, it's time to play Fallout 4. Yeah, King Vault, get on it now. And if you want to play Fallout 4, maybe I'll start a game of Fallout 4.
Maybe we'll a new game compare notes. Yeah, new yes. game because it's about time. And a special thank you to our, our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. The song's called The Burning Light. You can find it at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, you beautiful listener, if you want to know more about our Kofi Rewards, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock and learn more there. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Commander K. Generally angsty vlog. And up. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. You know what I noticed here on my uh, my controller? I, I have a piece of uh, cotton candy. I have a piece of cotton candy. Or it could be a piece of fiberglass. You don't uh, know. Right. <laughs> and, and Either way, you should eat it. And I don't know what flavor it is, so I'm going to try to identify it based on what I've tasted so far. It's a tiny piece. There you go. It's a tiny piece. It's probably celery. It's cat hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dissolving. It's uh, wasabi. Not, uh, not great. Celery? It's celery. Yeah, it's definitely celery. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like a slightly green tinge. <laughs> Thank you, Glumley. Thank you. It's, in my heart, it's got a green tinge in my heart. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, see, I, I love shock monkeys. I love that when you think of celery, you think of me. No, I don't love it at all. I hate it. Stop I love it. Well, it. it's, it's, it's done. Why worked. can't you think of uh, uh, barbecue so ribs when you think of ask me? Ask this yeah. question. When you have a tuna salad sandwich, is there celery in it? Because yes. I always put celery in mine. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And you like it. Oh, it's like eggs. I don't like eggs, but eggs are great in cake. So, sure. <laughs> he doesn't like eggs. What kind of communist doesn't like eggs? There are some, Godless communists. Some people on this planet who are odd like that. <laughs> yes. To say the least. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Eggs and celery are great ingredients. Heck, I've had a decent egg salad. Doesn't mean I like eggs or celery. It's just that you it sure could don't combine like salad. It, combine it with other things. You have a new spell, a ninth level spell versus the level one celery spell you tried to force on me. Maybe maybe we should stop with the celery. We say, all right, we'll compromise. Oh, will we have some broccoli with cheese? God, damn, <laughs> what? No, with the cheese. See, I told him I'll I would totally eat broccoli if I could have it in broccoli cheese soup. I want broccoli cheese. That just ruins the point of the broccoli. No, 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 it helps the broccoli. Thank you. (laughs) I agree with Todd on this one. Leafy greens are good for you. Not when they're coated in a block of cheese. Broccoli, let's be clear, is not a leafy green. It's a greeny green. It's a green vegetable. Okay, fine. It's not a leafy green. Whatever. It's a green. What's the difference? Difference is Don't just blink at me. Don't just (laughs) blink at me. Just blink it at me. Make her stop. Eat your broccoli.